Hello, football world. Welcome back to episode nine of Pitch Invasion. And uh, we have everything football here from discussions, debates, and uh, a few jibes there on the side. I'm Kola Makwaza, joined by... Yeah, Emeka Inyadike. Um, we didn't manage to get a win last weekend, but hey, you know, we're yeah, still on, we're, they were we're, lucky. We're still unbeaten. They, they, they can now finally go pay Riyad Mahrez for uh, his gaffer there on the weekend. Yeah, I think I think we kind of um, sorted him out. Yeah, you must have. You're listening to the Pitch Invasion podcast, the podcast for football travelists. But um, yes, we're coming in uh, thick and hard with some football uh, meaty uh, results and uh, stories and everything that is interesting in the football world. Now we're going to start start off with something, um, as Amika alluded to earlier, the results, Man City and Liverpool. I call it the great escape because quite frankly, I, I just could not believe, uh, look, Liverpool played well, I'll give them their dues, but Riyad Mahrez, son, hit the target. You know what's, what was so funny was um, just before the penalty was was played, I was sitting with a coach friend of mine from Canada. We were watching the game together, and the we looked at the the screen. They had Mares's last five or six penalties, and he's missed more. And they, the, my friend said to me, "But you know, why was he struggling to take the penalty?" And uh, with 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 uh, but Pep didn't know that apparently. Uh, well, it was weird because, and then you know we're looking at him and saying like. Well, all the places that he's put the, the ball and this looks like <laughs> none of them had above the sky <laughs> yeah, in exactly. that radar exactly but you know um, in a way I, I also didn't think it was um, one of those questionable decisions where you know, don't know whether it was a penalty or wasn't a penalty so I think so many things playing on his mind and then you know if I was him I wouldn't try that because I mean you've just come to Man City but I think to be quite honest with you, I think this is Pep uh, shooting himself on the foot here because normally, right, your your best player, right, your best penalty taker um, takes that penalty. Now their best penalty taker happens to be their best player. Well, right, um, De Bruyne is injured or Aguero, you can debate that. But yeah. he took Aguero off to me, which I found strange because, you know, Aguero is a goal scorer and, you know, come the first minute, come the 93rd minute, like he did when they won the, the Premier League title, you keep the guy on the field. And he took him off for me. And I found that quite strange. And I'm thinking, you know, these are the sort of games. I know Aguero doesn't have a good record at um, Anfield, but these are the sort of games where someone like Aguero is likely to get a chance of some sort. Boom, a penalty pops up. Your penalty takers off the field. And to give it to Riyad Mahrez, who's just walked in the middle of the night. No, I, think, I, think, I think, I think, I think, one thing I can tell you about that game is uh, Pep was scared. You know, from, from his formation, from the way the, I mean, he set up the team in such a way that every time they lost the ball, they all ran back. This was not, I mean, this, was, this wasn't a vintage Man City performance. I thought to a large extent, I think this Liverpool team is becoming more and more pragmatic in that they don't pour forward the way they, they used to do. But you find that even when the keeper has the ball, they try and play safe. Although he did get one time when Firmino really charged in on him mm. and he almost um, considered a goal. You will find that, you know, the fact that Pep could take out a like-for-like substitution just tells you that he 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 was set up almost like 4-3-3. But he, in effect, it was more like... Like four four one one. He didn't actually change the formation to nah, win it. Yeah, just it was it was taking out the same was, pieces to keep four, four. the same structure. He had two much. banks, two banks of of defense, and and you know he also got his players getting a bit more aggressive. I think Fernandinho should have been sent off. Oh, well, Fernandinho got away with quite a few. He got away with quite a few. So um, something also says that that Pep himself has realized that he cannot play that that way. Uh, this season because there's just too many teams that would give him hell. They're going to need some variety going forward. Now, well, they, the, showed, the, they, they showed a bit of it and I think I think they, they'll be happy with one point because they've not survived Liverpool in the last... So um, you feel that, uh, you know, the team that lost out more is uh, Man City? Uh, no, no, no. I think I think for both teams, it, it was... Um, I mean, they're going into an international break. You also want to, to leave um, on a good note. For Man City, you know, this was the kind of game that they usually lost if they went out my, my biggest worry with man city yesterday was you know they were organized as long as they, they didn't concede what usually happens to them in their games against liverpool is that once they concede one goal they almost, had they almost concede one one liverpool after the other they have, I, mean, actually, I mean uh, in the first half that, Salah, that, that Salah, should have been three Salah, nil in the first Salah half created a chance out of nothing with yes three four people on him and then you had um situations where you know i just think that if man city had considered a goal they, would, they wouldn't have been able to keep their shape. But the longer the game went, 
the, the more their confidence grew and then you know they took their 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 one um really really great great opportunity was the uh, the penalty that came out of nothing to be so, honest with you, i i really think man city are the biggest losers here because you know it's again they cannot beat liverpool so they better pray they don't run into liverpool in any uh competition going forward this season obviously they're still the second um match of the league even 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 at home they still can't deal with liverpool the they, one they game deal with liverpool. that they won was because money got sent off in, in very, very yeah. weird circumstance and that kind of offset and that was the only reason why they, that that, why they won that and game. liverpool was still looking hot in they that were game. Still looking game yes but so I, in a way i think that um, what this season, what the, the final place in going to this break just tells us now is that this is a three horse race. So early, Amika? Yes, it's that's, no. what it's, that's what it is. As now, I wouldn't discount them because, but I want to see what they do when they come up against one of those three. We're going to get to Arsenal, but they did play Chelsea and uh, Man City. So you can't say we're going to see uh, where Arsenal come up against those three. But no, they, it, play, they, no, they, play, they play them early. No, I'm, they played them early. I'm but saying, I mean, what I'm, what you I'm saw saying what Arsenal, they, Arsenal. There's, there's been a turnaround for Arsenal. And it will be interesting to see, you know, with the momentum that they have now, where they've won so many games. Let's see them come up against one of those teams and see how they... We do to me before we get to Arsenal, right? I I think Man City were the bigger losers because they had the chance to actually win it. Oh, okay, yeah, I mean, you can wipe out all the guiltiest chances in the game, but when you have the penalty that late, that's a golden chance, and they spurned it. And to me, you know, Pep I think just hasn't found a way to beat Klopp, and I I can see it being a problem down the road. You know those coaches that you know when Fergie had a problem beating Moyes at some point, Wenger with uh, some. Of the, the Sam lower, Allardyce, you know <laughs> Sam Allardyce and Bolton, you know I think this is going to become another you know tough task for Pep. He might have to uh, come up with a completely new different game plan Jürgen, Jürgen Klopp, against Liverpool. Klopp, I think Klopp has got is, Pep in his pocket. He's Pep's kryptonite. Yeah. Now let's move to Arsenal, touching on them because I mean um, they got an impressive result, five-one. Go Gunners! Was a great, and it was a really, really great. good performance from them. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen Arsenal play like that. You know, you, I know you could say it's against Fulham, newly promoted, but Fulham have got some really star quality players. Yes. And for Arsenal to put five away from home, knowing how bad you know Arsenal have been away from home in the last couple of seasons, um, that's a great um, testimony to the change that Emery's brought in. And, you know, I like the, the style of play that he's trying to introduce to Arsenal. You know, they're playing quick. It's the old Arsenal of the Junberg, Pires, Henri Burkham, back in those days where we're flying down the wing, the fullbacks are overlapping, and you can just see the guys seem like they're taking into the style well. There's a lot, there's a lot of change with Arsenal, which, which you, you find that they, they, are, they are a lot more um, committed in, in how they, they approach the game. They're a lot more... Um, you know, they, they try and, and and hold hold their grounds when they when they they need they need to defend, and then you know somehow they're finding a way to get both uh, you know Lacazette and Aubameyang to to function as a team. The biggest surprise for me, I think, and you know uh, for me also the biggest beneficiary of uh, the new system is is Iwobi. Yes, you know because yes. Iwobi seems to be at the heart of he's everything, unleashed everything positive he feels that he looks like a player and, and then he's making uh, you know it's gonna create a situation where Arsenal might look at it and say you know hang on a second we're paying so much money for Ozil and you know if he's not ready to work so hard maybe we can cut our losses and you know give more responsibility to this youngster for me I thought you know from even from the World Cup the Nigerian coach did not use him and for whatever reason I thought Ozil I mean it will be um, is really determined to prove that, look, hey, I should have been given more responsibility. And, and this is what I like about Iwobi, because we had this discussion about Pogba some um, episodes ago about, you know, what it takes to survive in the Premier League. And sometimes effort goes a long way. There are so many Premier League players that, you know, uh, pound for pound, talent-wise, you know, they're not up there with some of the best players in the world. Yeah. But... There's a reason why they've survived. I mean, people like Gareth Barry, who've played 15, 16 years in the Premier League. There's a reason, James Milner, reason why these guys survive in the Premier League. Effort. If you put in the effort, right, not only does that help you as an individual, but why wouldn't any coach if you put, anybody if you, if you match your, if, if, if you match your, your, so that's what your, you your talent, match your talent with effort, You're going that's forward. the result that you get. And Iwobi is a classic example of, you know, maybe... Even Wenger didn't realize just how good the kid can be. Mm -hmm. Because you find that now he's 
playing side by side with some, some of the really great, good, good strikers we have in the league. Because Lacazette and Aubameyang, we really, um, these were strikers that everybody wanted to sign. Yes. We thought f- at the point they, they probably would both go to Bayern Munich, sorry, not Bayern Munich, I mean uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. But here they are at Arsenal and almost suddenly made to look like they are not good players. But, you know, finally they And I mean, they have, it, it will be the case. I mean, you look at when he was thrust in against uh, Chelsea. That was a huge responsibility for yeah. a coach to say, you know what? Um, here's a big game already, uh, rival, second game of the season. I have faith in you. Go out and do the business. And he scored. Yeah. So, you know, it's always good to see, you know, on an Afri- in an African perspective, you know, our players also, given that, that um, responsibility in an attacking sense. Because often, you know, stereotypically African players, apart from Drogba, you know, and over Eto, the years maybe. and so forth, and Eto, you know, it's always the donkey work, you know, the hard-working, yeah. grafting African player. I mean, like Mikel was taken away from uh, being, from being, being one of the best attacking midfielders, in the, in, in, young attacking midfielders in the world, to becoming almost like a, defend, yes. a defender. So um, this is really refreshing to see. And I think to a large extent for Arsenal this season, they will hope that he remains uh, fit because... You know, we're seeing almost a resurgence of sort in terms of this team and how um, how good they can be, and uh, which is why I, I said, look, I'm pretty much looking forward to to seeing how they will fare when when they come up against against those those um, really difficult opposition. But so far, we've so played good. two already. They're not like no, well, look, <laughs> we played like, less like, than like, Chelsea. Like, like I said, like I, like I said, at the beginning of the season, you know, they played the first game lost. They played another game and again lost. So Should have won. psychologically, you know, they, they were not at the right space because they were trying to adapt to the system. But after after eight weeks and a couple of Europa games, you find that this team is beginning to get an identity. Where do you see them uh, uh, in terms of the title race? I think that if they remain well, because I mean, they, they are right up there now now with the, you know, just... Let's be frank, right? There are two points. Exactly. Right? We, we've lost two games. Right to the two teams that are up there, and we're two points, two behind, points behind them. Yes, so, you know the so-called front runners. So, yeah. to me, I, I think Arsenal as good as you know in for the title races. I, I, the top I would, teams above them. Uh, you know, like two I said, points I'll, is literally I'll one game, a draw, or a loss, and I'll Arsenal. It, I'll, take it, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take a step back uh, for Arsenal. No, I, for me, I don't look. Let me tell you the truth. I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I, I think from. From when Wenger came to Arsenal, I just loved the way he played football because, you know, Emery's playing some very good for, football. For, for me, that identity that Wenger created at Arsenal is such a beauty to watch, and that, um, which is why for me, I, I think that um, we're seeing a, a different kind of Arsenal now—a team that works hard, which was never part of part of their DNA. So let's let's see how how they if they keep up with it over the next couple of weeks, because it's not it's one thing as. Teams can drop points and Arsenal suddenly gets up there. But the question at the end of the day is, the question then is, you know, can they keep it? If they suddenly find themselves on top of the table, you know, what does that do to them? Are they psychologically ready for it? So, you know, I just say that let's give them the benefit of the doubt and just say that they are one step and then a good space because that is the kind of space you need to challenge for the title because nobody's looking at you, then you hit, I mean, Liverpool, all of a sudden, everybody is talking about them as as being title contenders. And they're only two points that, above us. That puts That's them. What that I puts, don't a, puts a lot of pressure. People on, aren't putting uh, puts a lot of pressure on them. You must understand that Chelsea and, and and Man City have so much strength in depth that even if somebody is injured, there's only someone else coming off the bench that is as good as, as whoever is, is out of the picture. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is not there, but you almost don't feel it with Man City. But if Arsenal loses one or two of their key players. You know, it it affects them. So um, I'll say, you know, let's 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 not put too much pressure on them. Okay, well, let's take it down to Manchester, where, well, <laughs> it's a soap opera there. You know, it is. And uh, the game itself was a soap opera. I mean, you had United Manchester United down two 0 and I even saw some fans had walked out the stadium, and you, you know, long behold. Jose, you know, somehow saved his job with a guy whose job was also on the line in Alexis Sanchez, which to me, it was a quite an interesting game because the storylines for this game was, you know, if Jose had lost, it was written on the walls that, you know, this guy was gone. And so many of the former players and, uh, you know, some, you know, recognizable uh, characters amongst the club, you know, were in, in some ways calling for Jose to be sacked. 
And at 2-0 at halftime, that looked like it, it was going to happen. And the other thing for me was that the players also seemed to have given up on him. I thought the players were, you know, sort of throwing Josie under the bus by saying, guys, I want this guy gone or we want this guy gone. Newcastle, you're 2-0 up. Thanks. And we'll take the last day, Jose out. I, I don't know I think, what must have happened at halftime for... Well, he did tinker with the team before halftime, but something happened and the guys all of a sudden started playing for him. Even at the game, Pogba taking his shirt off, pump, fist pumping in the air, and I'm thinking, wait, wasn't this the same guy that, you know, was calling for attacking Mourinho and saying all these things about Mourinho on social media? Now, all of a sudden, you know, they're up, you know, celebrating Mor- like Mor- they just Mor- won the Mor- championship. Mourinho needs to understand that. You know, it doesn't matter how great his techniques are. If his players are not with him, it's not going to work. You know, we've always said this thing. Yeah? The, the quality in that Man United team is such that they shouldn't be struggling. Man United should be in that race with those guys there. And the only way they can do that is by playing in the front foot. I, I, me, I, I, I cannot believe that Anthony Marshall will be in that team and you don't, you don't unleash him. Anthony, Anthony Marshall, in fact, at the point before he scored that goal, he was going to be substituted. Mourinho needs to, you know, Lingard, Rushford, and Martial. I don't care about Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez, for me, for me, for all the money that they're, that they're paying him, I don't even think United actually needed him. I know, yes, he came up there and scored a goal. He's got so much quality, but somehow it's almost as if, you know, okay, I, I want to play for Man United. I'm here now, you know, so you know, you that's touched it. On, you touched on something interesting. This is something that uh, I want to just revisit with Manchester City and uh, Liverpool. You know, you said Martial, uh, Lingard and Rashford. And you look at Liverpool, Mane, Sterling, Salah. You look at City, San, uh, sorry, um, Liverpool, uh, Mane, Salah and uh, Firmino. You look at Man City, Sterling, uh, Sane and Gabriel Jesus, right? So there is a three yeah. somewhere in those uh, teams. Well, Aguero was already established, but yeah. the point that I'm trying to make is that those two coaches in Pep and Klopp seem to have, you know, progressed those players from where they were to the next level to world beaters. Germany, one of the reasons why, you know, they didn't make it past the group stage was they could have done with a player like Sane, right? And I look at somebody like Mourinho who has a young triumphant in, in that Martial, Lingard and Rashford. And he hasn't got anywhere close to what Pep or Klopp has gotten out of the three that they have. And I'm now looking at Jose Mourinho going forward and I'm thinking to myself, well, these players are already despondent and your tactics are already, you know, causing problems. Is it not best for the club, despite the victory against Newcastle, which to me, I think just papers over the cracks because Newcastle just donated those three points, to be honest. No, it, was a, it was a game that, that you know, Newcastle they, could have won. They donated but, those three you know, points. Let, let's, not, let's not take anything away from the United fight back. We saw a bit of that character that we saw, we saw with United when Alex Ferguson The was question there. is why and where did it come from all of a sudden? I think it's the players. I think it's the players. Because at 2-0, it looked like the players had given up on no, it. No, play, it's the players because if you look at the goal that, that uh, Martial scored, it was a case of, you know, here's my opportunity. I need to take, take, take this. And, we, you know, we can't... Because at the end of the day, everybody was there. The entire... I mean, there's so much... I mean, social media was going on a meltdown. Over, it was almost like you know, Mourinho's going to be sacked, and then players were being uh, so much was being said about them, and they, they just had they, they kind of rallied them. And I thought, even to a large extent, Paul Pogba stepped up big time in that. Big in, time. That's that, what I'm saying. Where did game. this? Where was this Paul Pogba the whole time? No, they have it there. The question is just simply when they, when your manager or your coach, you know, always puts out a, a negative uh, uh, mindset. It affects the players. These players want to go out and... and I mean, they, they, they're playing against Newcastle United. They, at home, they should... Be Traditionally, set, that's they should be set up, for United. They should be set up to beat United, to beat uh, Newcastle. West Ham, that game. United should go into that game on the front foot. But now, you go in there and you set up uh, your team in such a way that it's almost as if, you know, we're here uh, to try and avoid defeat. No. Your, your best strength is to go out and play because United has has enough quality in that team to, to, to win every game. Okay, well, in closing, in short, Jose, come Christmas, is he there or is he out? 
Well, maybe maybe this could be a turnaround for 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 them, and if if they, they keep up um, some good results and they're still within within touching distance, maybe the management might say, okay, look, let's see it out till the end of the season. Um, but you know, the, the question at the end of the day is, um, he needs to talk less because I, you know, <laughs> that's not I, if happen. if you are not doing well, then just just keep quiet or shut up. Which, whichever works better for you. You cannot, you know, be ranting, be throwing players under the bus, blaming everybody, saying all kinds of silly things when you're not performing on the on the on the pitch. Mourinho needs to understand at this point in time that his reputation is on the line because this is a big club. It's a huge opportunity, and he's not. Yes, he's won the Europa League, but you know, Champions League, uh, Champions League, and the Premier League. If he doesn't win any of them, then you know, he, there's nothing special about him. You know what makes us better? Rivalry. This is the Absa Premiership. Sometimes you benefit every week. I think Vets benefited this week. I think they benefited against Cape Town City. And and they are going down top of the lock. Who cares? Yeah, it's the way it is, uh, Carol. And and spotlight is on us. Spotlight is on me. Am I a gentleman? Am I behaving? You know, the linesman is here. He's here. He's straight on the line. You know, can't make a decision. But what are you going to do? The situation is the way it is, you know. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. People are benefiting. When are we going to benefit? We, we're losing points. Well, we just come back from the break and you just heard from the Mamelodi Sundowns coach, Pizzo Masamane, who feels he's not getting the rub of the green and his things are not going his way. Now, you know, we all know what happened with the incident. Uh, for those of you that don't, um, he felt like, you know, there were decisions that didn't go his way. I know there was a situation where um, the vice keeper came out and he thought the ball was handed outside the area. And he took a few pop shots at Vitz, which I thought was a bit harsh. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad he watches the Vitz games for him to know what happened against them in Cape Town City because he surely should be watching his team. Yeah. And I, I don't know, Mika, I just think, you know, Pizzo maybe went a bit too far here. You know, sometimes I think Pizzo, uh, and to a large extent, um, you know, a lot of the coaches need to need to be taken into a, into a classroom <laughs> and, and told what they can or cannot say when they're being interviewed, especially after a game. They, the, the, the thing that the, the managers in England, you know, to an extent, maybe with the exception of Mourinho sometimes who gets carried away, you realize that, you know, the most difficult thing you can do as a manager is after a game where there's been a lot, a lot of controversial decisions to actually have a microphone shoved in front of you. You have to be... Especially yeah. when you haven't seen some of the incidents exactly. in replay. Because you don't have the benefit that all the spectators at home, especially those who are watching on TV, have of seeing replays and all yeah. that. Sometimes you will see that Asim Wenger, you know, I, 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 I have a lot of respect for Asim Wenger and Alex Ferguson because they, when you interview them, doesn't matter how angry they are, they will still show it in their face. But in terms of responding to, to questions, when they're not too sure, it's always the case of, you know, I haven't seen it, I need to see it, but based on what you know, I, I thought I saw or what my, yeah. my assistant said to me, this is what I think you, you need to do. But, you know, for the case of, in the case of Pisto, sometimes he he just goes off tangent and then he starts, um, you know, you can't bring those kind of sentiments into... into I think you can't throw game. the other team under the bus. I mean, yes. saying, you know, you they can't. benefited for against Cape Town City, they benefited today because, you know, let's face it, um, I've actually watched a few Mamelodi Sundowns games and... They also benefit. Oh, they by, do. They do. I by mean, being lots. virtue of being reigning champions, you yeah. know, no, sometimes refs and linesmen don't want to make certain decisions because it's against, you know, sundowns and speeds and so forth. So um, they've also had some games where they've benefited. Kaiser Chiefs, well. Orlando Pirates, sundowns to, to a large extent. They, they, there are games where you see that yeah, they get away with certain, they they get away with certain, with certain things. But, but the truth of the matter is that, you know, as a manager or as a coach, you just can't uh, make those kind of statements because. Then you bring the game into disrepute because if you're saying that okay, what happened? How can you say they they, they benefited from one game or not or not or not the other? You just have to be uh, careful what you say. 
I think it also throws some shade to the um, opposing manager because, I mean, uh, you know, give Gavin Hunt uh, his shoes. I mean, he set out a, a plan. He set out a formation. He set out a, a tactic to come away with a result. And they did. And, I mean, they scored a free kick. So it's not like the referee, you know, gave them a ball <laughs> where there was a dubious decision and he awarded the goal. They scored from a free kick. So, yeah. And even in the context of that game, Vitz did play well. They played well enough to walk away. I with think Vitz, uh, of all the teams, this is you know they've been having this yo-yo where they're one on top one minute another it's one of those seasons where usually with Gavin's teams they, they stay in the hunt excuse the pun yeah I saw that yeah. I saw that yeah. they stay in the hunt and then they pull out they pull away when it's yeah it's getting close close there and this look this season like um, a team that will spring one of those surprises the way they've been going um, you know they, they've managed to stay in touch with everybody I mean, now let's look at the two teams that, you know, at some point you thought were going to be, you know, either top or vying for the top in Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs. I know they've had um, mixed results uh, with the Pirates uh, walking away with a draw and Chiefs suffering a loss at home. It was a shock. It was a shock. I, I mean, I, I thought there was, there was a mistake. No? When I first saw, um, flipped over and I saw the, the score, like, I'm thinking, like, what is happening? I mean, we were saying so much how they've improved over the, over the last couple of Coach weeks. Coach of the month, player of the month. Coach of the month, player of the month. And then it's almost like, hey, it's back to uh, to Kaiser Mutang's statement of, <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't my original choice. <laughs> no, you know, I think at this stage of the season with both teams, um, you know, the, the PSL is funny once you reach to, you know, the sort of like the 8-10 game mark because the teams that really have big squads this is where they come into play. That's why Sundowns, for me, I feel like once it gets to this stage of the season, they've got a big enough squad to see it through. I think it's a bit of a hiccup for Chiefs. Uh, they still have some players that need to find form, that will find form. There's some players that still have to come back from injury. So I think it is a bit of a hiccup. With well, they were, they've, they, they've toyed around with, with the Chiefs, top sport. With, top, with Chiefs, they had, they had this momentum. And then there was that, that weekend. And for whatever reason, I don't know why the PSL does that, where there was a, the, the MTN 8 final. And then there were no games. Yes. You know, for me, I thought that was that was just not good for, for Pirates, a lot of the teams. For me, Pirates have had a situation where, you know, I think they lost two previous games. They needed to win to move to the top of the log. And they just haven't got it done. And I'm now starting to wonder, you know, going to the derby with so much to play for in terms of positions. I don't think nobody wants to lose now. No, and nobody's going to play for the win. So... You know what does this mean for the derby? Are we gonna is this setting I, it up for another? I, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think. I think that the boats. The boats in a good position where a win does them a lot of good. So you know we're gonna see a different um, derby, and I'm saying it with a lot of a lot of trepidation because you know we we've seen over the years where we expect them to go out and kill each other, and then suddenly um, we get something that's like a friendly game at the end of the day where. You know, everyone is trying to protect. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. But I, I have a very strong feeling that um, they're both within touching distance of, you know, staying ahead of the pack. And, you know, a win for either of them, it, you know, because it's almost like that's the, if you win that game, then, hey, I've beaten Chiefs or I've beaten Pirates. So I, I, need, to, I need to go ahead and, and take, out, take out everybody else. I, I think we, we're going to see fireworks in that game. Well, I hope so. I mean, uh, as a South African, this is our biggest game, and you know, no, I, look, what, I look this, forward. I look this forward. This is to one it. of our greatest advertisements in sport is the Soweto Derby. So, if you are, you know, a, a football fan, you need this game to be exciting and no, interesting. It, it's, it's got and the storyline is there. You know, both teams could essentially, you know, pending results going forward, they could vie for the top spot with a win. So, which is why, for me, I still hope and I still pray that going into the derby. Both teams are sort of in the same position with different results. And both coaches just say, you know what, let's go for it. This early into the season, let's go for it. Because my problem with the derby before is they've always sort of scheduled it, you know, late. Yeah. And when either both teams have nothing to play for or when both teams, you know, they're sort of not in the title running. Yeah, and the last, and in, the last, in the last couple of seasons, they've, they've been... The derbies no, have, have almost been like, that you, just you know, we, we're looking forward to the derby, but... 
you know what what is it there to play for it's like yes. you know win or lose i mean last season last teams. season pirates needed the win the second one yes. yes so this season i'm glad that they've pushed it early both teams need the win because in pirates case they could go straight to the top and in chiefs case you know they could also vie for a top three finish a top three uh place should they win that game so going forward you know it's going to set up an interesting fixture and you know i'm looking forward to it i cannot wait and i hope they carry this momentum going forward now on to bafana bafana right the squad has been announced we've got the seychelles coming up i'm pretty optimistic about this game you know um seychelles are the whipping boys of this group and you know pax has on, got until until the first bafana ah uh, we'll see about that because um pax has really uh, picked the team that has excited me you know i'm glad to see people like lebo mutiba in the squad um he's been doing very well in france i think in fact he scored a brace over the weekend and you know i i really think this is the one game it's the first time in a while where i can actually say i see bafana walking away with at least you know three goals scored at least maybe if, if we see lombok kekana in the team my biggest worry with the game against libya was if that game was played for two days, Bafana wouldn't score. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we need, we need to find a way where there's players in midfield who are ready to shoot. Because if it is, Bafana plays great football and they create opportunities. Well, Lebo Mutiba is in form, so I don't yeah, think no, no, you, I mean, you, you'll need that uh, sort of a midfielder. I think if you just get up front to him, we're going to score. You know, for me, the way I see it is that I think the group has sort of panned itself out now. Um, the Seychelles, look, you know, respect to them, but they are the whipping boys of the group. And I'm telling you now, if Bafana do not put anything more than two goals past the Seychelles, they're going to play them back. We are going to have problems. They're going to play them back to back, and they've got to play in the artificial pitch. And you know, when so Bafana they, so play have... back to back games, it's never a good sign for no, not <laughs> going at all. forward. I mean, you I, saw. I, with, I uh, hope I hope they win because it's a very difficult group, Libya are doing well and you know Libya possible possible they might get a, get a result against Nigeria maybe not even even a win a draw if they can draw both games or they can draw win one game or you know whatever happens in that game it puts them under pressure but um the good thing about it is that uh, Bafana has to just focus on winning both games knowing fully well that Libya and Nigeria you know, yes, Nigeria is strong enough to win both games, but who knows? We've seen how good Libya are. They might be able to get take some points off of Nigeria in that game. So that when they play Nigeria in November, they are in a much better position where, you know, they probably don't need to win that game to qualify for, for AFCON. Because if they need to win, it's going to be a very difficult game. Because remember, they've they beaten Nigeria mm -hmm. and... You know, there'll be a lot, a lot more than pride. As Bafana need to win the, uh, these two games because, I mean, you want to go and, you know, play Nigeria knowing that you've got a bit of a buffer yeah. regardless of the result. What about the result? So these two games, I mean, six points on the offer takes you to... I think if they do win these two games and Nigeria draw one of the two, they will game, go top. If that game against Nigeria depends on, on one side winning, Bafana will Bafana be under... Go on, on, no, they're going to be under the most pressure because Bafana doesn't know how to play for a draw are you kidding me no, no, you no, didn't they, see us dance the one time no no they, they play for a draw and we they, thought we're going they to. do it all by themselves i'm saying that they don't they don't go out to say okay look we don't want to lose this game bafana goes out into every game trying to play to win it's it's how to get that mindset to say okay look we don't need to win this game and we don't need to take risk what you see this is why i'm all for um bafana for a big win is that i think look they've learned from their mistakes Hope, right? I hope, right? They've learned from you know, their mistakes. This is the first time I'm seeing someone who they've learned from saying, their mistakes. He's saying something, but his head is telling him something right. else. My mind ah. is telling me something else, but my heart says something else. Okay, <laughs> they've learned from their mistakes, and I think Stuart Pax has picked a team that is gung ho for a win. This is, the, in fact, the most interesting side he's, that I've seen Pax pick in Baxter's a while because a squad. he's picked a squad. No, no, he's, large he's picked a squad. Overseas it's, players. His match days selection is my worry you think there'll be some tinkering there no just I, that's he gets into on, on my day he picks he picks the wrong he makes the wrong um selection but look bafana has all it takes to beat Seychelles. i hope they do six points guys that's all we I hope they six do. points and we're through to Cameroon. i would love to see south africa nigeria at afcon 
I'd like to actually see the the South Africa Nigeria game where it's a battle for you know first or second. I I really do not want us to go into that game where I know we need the win because South Africa must say we haven't been good in games where we definitely need the win, and you know these two games coming up against the Seychelles, you know they they will put us in pole position to top that group. However, it's also down to the players themselves, guys, tuck it in, finish. I know we're always blaming the coach for the starting lineup, but man, I don't know if you guys had a look at some of the scorelines in the Absa Premier League. There were some games that just were allergic to goals. And I, that worries me when we try to put up please, a national please, team. Please tell me the last, time, we need tell me the last time the top scorer in the PSL scored 20 goals. Oh, goodness. Funny Matita. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take another break and uh, we're going to discuss some more European news. And coming up, we've got La Liga, we've got Champions League, and we've got another interesting topic that um, does touch on South Africa and the rest of Africa relations in football. Only Supersport can put you in a front row seat to the best football leagues this season. Catch every Premier League, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Nations League, AMSA Premiership and La Liga match live. And now it's the only place to watch every minute of the Serie A on Supersport 9. Get your front row seat and watch all the football that matters. Only on Supersport. Welcome back, and we are going to further dissect and discuss uh, some more footy news, especially from abroad. Let's touch on some La Liga for a bit, because there's some interesting um, results in La Liga of late. You know, it's not every day you wake up and you find Barcelona having won in four games, Real Madrid having won in three games. And haven't scored even. Haven't scored even. So are we starting to see, you know, the post... I know we've been discussing post-Messi and Ronaldo era in terms of Ballon d'Ors and FIFA best. Are we now starting to see post Messi, Ronaldo in terms of the influence they have in their clubs and the success in La Liga? No, I, I, no, I, well, I don't think so. I think what, what we're seeing is um, more and more of the teams in La Liga. You know, over the last couple of years, Real Madrid and Barcelona used to take all the money. But there's been some kind of balancing where, you know, they've, they've realigned the, the, the situation where. You know, I saw the Valencia game against against uh, Barcelona, and I thought, you know, f- for a long time I haven't seen them go go toe to toe with with Barcelona, where they were playing on the front front foot, and we've seen with Atletico Madrid even struggling as well against some of those teams. Um, what you find is that, I mean, Real Madrid got hammered the other week mm, by Sevilla. Uh, by Sevilla. So uh, you're you're finding now more and more teams are saying, you know. We, we need to step up and then you know which with more money comes a lot more recruitment and we saw you know valencia they had Cordobia, they had bashwai they had players who were prepared to prove a point that they shouldn't be being those teams or this is my, my opportunity to try and show that i'm, I'm much mm. better than this so um you know messi hasn't dropped in form we've actually seen him you know, he looks like he's getting better. He's getting better. So um, we, 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 we are in for, for a very exciting um, season because, you know, I thought Atletico Madrid was a team that will, that will create problems. But we're seeing now that there's a couple more teams. They also have had out, a few hiccups out, along out the way. Who are, who are just prepared to, to try and shake things up. So it might still boil down to what happens between the top two. And let's see what happens with... Uh, with the El Clasico, which is just you know same same day as we have our Chiefs Chiefs and Pirates game here, so it'll be it's the next day that next is. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be I mean, I'm saying it's the same weekend. So same it'll weekend. Be, yes. It'll be it'll be exciting to see if that game doesn't produce any goal. I don't <laughs> think we're going to see a nil nil El Clasico for a very long time. But now, what do you think about them going forward? Now, do you think La Liga is still going to be a two horse race between the two? I'd like I'd like to see more. More because what, I mean, uh, I'm, what do we have in, what do I'm we have in England? Real Madrid now, and I'm thinking, man, you know, as much as they are playing well, Ronaldo's 40 goals a season are gone. It's gone, yes. And and Messi, I don't know where they're going to find Me- those. Messi will still score score his fair share of, of goals, probably even more than 40. Um, however, I think that you know, I would like to see like a four-five team 
race rather than have this this two horse race. And maybe that that could be a, a, a Ronaldo's absence could be a factor in that in that regard because with Real Madrid. The goals will be spread, uh, uh, you know, uh, amongst Bale, Benzema, and um, whoever else is willing to. Play. In fact, I saw something very funny over the weekend. Someone said, "Oh, Real Madrid fans were saying, oh, they don't miss Ronaldo. Uh, let's see, uh, Luka Modric score a hat trick." <laughs> <laughs> well, he can provide a hat trick of assists. I can yeah. tell you that. So. Now, let's talk about the Champions League because uh, obviously those two teams are also in the Champions League and they've also had some, you know, mixed fortunes in the Champions League in terms of uh, results, especially for Real Madrid. In fact, Barca are doing well. It's Real Madrid who seem like they're the ones that are struggling. And you, you being know, the three-time you, champions, you know, you know too well. No Ronaldo. You know too well not to write off Real Madrid when it comes to Champions League. But I think there's that, no Ronaldo. Maybe. Yeah, no Ronaldo. Yes, they're going to miss his... Because, I mean, he's, he's proven to be the king of goal scoring with, with the Champions League. I think that this season, neither of them will win the Champions League. Um, because even PSG, for all their failings against Liverpool in the opening day, they, they were a different team altogether in the in their mm. next next game. Um, I think that we've seen we've seen some kind of resurgence of some sort. Like like nobody wants Real Madrid to dominate this tournament the way they've done in the last few seasons. And and everybody's looking like okay, they don't have Ronaldo. Maybe this is our opportunity to try and do things. But again, we've only seen two matches. I still think that we need to see. Um, some of these teams sometimes we saw with Real Madrid they struggle, struggle, and then you know the, the the time span between when the group stage finishes in December and when we have the the knockout stages. There's always it, this. This sounds like an insurance policy because remember there was a team uh, in the Merseyside, in the red side of Merseyside, beat PSG, and it seemed like no, they were ready for the Champions League. Well, and I, now all of a sudden they well, go to I, Napoli. I must say that and they get that, turned over. I must so, say that against Napoli. Two things happened. Uh, one was the, the Ancelotti's tactics. He he, it worked for him. And then secondly, I don't know. Nobody knows what would have happened to Liverpool if um, Keita, you know, didn't get injured. Because we, we we talk about how they've reinforced their team, but it, there seems to be um, still there still seems to be that core of the team where you know if someone is not there. Or something happens to someone. You know, I said something about Chelsea and Man City earlier. But those teams have like like two two squads. If one two capable squad. Yeah. So if people are injured, some other people, I mean, some other players come in there. So you find that they, 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 for them to play play Keita instead of Henderson, maybe there was a way club felt the team was going to be able to to play, and then you know he gets injured, and then they, they were back to to a different format. But the, the the biggest credit on the night goes to the Napoli players because. A combination of them and their fans, they were charged. The goal they scored, it was a goal where a he stretched goal. his to his limit to, to reach that ball and make sure make sure it went it went past the, the keeper. So, you know, we we are seeing we're seeing we're seeing a Champions League um, campaign that's going to be more difficult. But like I said, the the, the the problem with the English teams is usually they'll play through the entire Christmas season, whereas Real Madrid and Co they'll go on holiday and go and refresh and then they come back. You know, for, for the round of 16 in February, when they are they are in much better better shape. So, for you, if you were to pick, uh, I know it's uh, only two match days played, but if you were to pick two teams that look really formidable after two match days, that you think these are the two teams you could possibly see in the final, who would it be? I think PSG has a, has has a chance. You think so? Because they have a different manager. They have a different manager. Yeah, but Tuchel hasn't really established himself in, in the, Europe in this game. Um, in this game uh, that they played, there was something different about the energy and how Cavani, Neymar, there seems to be much better Against bond. Red Star Belgrade, though. No, I know, I agree. I'm saying the bond in the team. It seems as if everybody pulled in one in one direction. You know, my problem is with PSG. I tell you what my problem is with PSG, right? This is always the problem with, um, I'm going to call them new money team, right? Because they are a new money team. Is that teams like PSG, right? When you look at Real Madrid, Barcelona, and so forth, there's always an established catalyst, right? There's Messi, there's Ronaldo, there's Hazard. I know they're not in the Champions League, but I'm just throwing them in, right? There's always an established catalyst. Now with PSG, 
There is no established candidate. Oh, we saw, we saw. So everybody's, they're, they're all vying for this position. Neymar wants to take penalties and taking no, away from Neymar, Cavani. In this game, Bambes, the World in this, Cup in winner. This, in this game, so it to was, me, I it just wasn't just, chaos down the road. It, it wasn't PSG. just Neymar's goals. First and foremost, two, two of the goals were free kicks. Yes. Which was a case of stepping up to the plates. There was, there was those free kicks there. There were other people standing around there, but he's like, no, leave it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Then the other goal that he scored, he laid on the pass. The ball came back. He arrived just on time to, to, to plug it in. My thing is that, you know, that against rest of Belgrade is all good, right? But the problem with PSG that I fear is that going, you know, when the going gets tough and they're playing the tougher teams, like you saw last season against Real Madrid, to me, it seems like there's a power struggle waiting to happen with, you know, who, who should have made that run, who should have taken let's, the shot, let's see them. who should take the penalty, let's see, let's see, who let's should see, take the Let's see game. their next two games. I, I, I really don't see PSG. No, let, no let's see their, their next two games. So you, you said PSG. They're playing Napoli. One. They're playing Napoli. And Napoli is a very, very, very difficult. Napoli is a very good team. Very difficult team to play against. So let's see how they cope over two legs against against Napoli. The second team, um, for me, um, if I say Liverpool, it will seem surprise, surprise. It will seem like like it's because you know I've got some kind of affinity for 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 them, but you know. I, I I thought I was also impressed with Dortmund. Dortmund look like they're coming back. Yeah, they're coming. I was I was quite impressed with impressed with impressed with them. But not that I see them in the in the in the uh, sorry I see them anywhere anywhere near the the finals. Um, Juventus. That Ronaldo they, they, they still have Ronaldo, and yeah. Ronaldo seems to be the. I mean, they've, they've done well without him, even when he's suspended. I mean, they so. hammered Valencia with 10 men. Yeah. So. I, I must be honest with you, I, I think it's going to be hard to discount Juventus. You know, no, Not, not yeah. just Cristiano Ronaldo, but I mean, even last season, they were in there within a hunt for it. And then you add Ronaldo to that, why can't they go uh, I, I hope I hope he deals with his his um, his uh, American troubles. Oh, uh, let's not even go there because um, there's a lot of problems for him down the <laughs> yeah. road if that's what, that's what that goes further. But I, I think Juventus... Uh, up there and I must be honest to you Barcelona look a different animal in the Champions League I don't know what it is in La Liga they don't seem as interested but in the Champions League I mean look Messi hit the post twice with them leading 2-0 yeah that was right? that was scary so they could have easily run over Spurs and their style of play it seems to be that old Barcelona you know tiki-taka fast uh, pressing and closing they, down they, ball they recovery they overwhelm Spurs they overwhelm Spurs I know Spurs got the two goals one being a deflection the other Harry Kane just being Harry Kane but I really think I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Barcelona Juventus final and again yeah, I'd love to Messi see, I'd, Ronaldo I'd love to, final I'd, I'd love to that see, would be a final of, I'd love of to see Liverpool Barcelona final uh, but that's not going to happen <laughs> let's be honest now Mika lastly I want to touch on something that uh, is um, quite an interesting topic um, our producer um, brought up the question now we see with a lot of leagues um, sorry a lot of countries in the world you look at the german team for example how many polish how many turkish players are in there you look at the even the, um, the italian team the number of players that don't originate from italy let's not even go to the french team who've literally gorged oh, yeah. africa and um, formed their team yeah, all french. right by the way no right no okay so there are so many teams and you've seen germany World champions, Italy world champions, France recently world champions. Now let's bring it closer to home with Bafana Bafana. Roger Feitum, Chuku, Chuku Train, um, Collins Besuma, um, Benjamin Mwarumwar. So many players that I can think of over the years that have literally lit our scene in South Africa. And I'm talking about before they even started playing for their own their country. Teams, yeah, that's true. Right? Why did South Africa miss the boat with these players? Because now, with you look at um, the players that have immigrated to South Africa. We have Ghanaians, we have Congolese, we have Nigerians. I think, I think, you're, I think you're going too far. You're going too Why far. Why have we you're, not? You're going too far to, play, to players who have emigrated. I'm talking about players who have who were born here, mm -hmm. who were born here. There's there's a lot of young players who are 18. 1920 who 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 were born here how many of them ended up going elsewhere mm. you know ended up going going elsewhere we have the chance to try and do much better record keeping so you find young players who play for academies and then you know they end up going to school in europe or whatever 
if the rules are very clear, if you are born in South Africa or you have parents who have some kind of ties here, they are so for all intents and purposes South Africans. You need because, to, you need to mean, try and grab I, them. I, I look at, for example, you look at. Um, I'll give you the cricket and rugby example. Yes. How many guys you find out? Oh, Andrew Strauss was born in South Africa. Jonathan yeah. Trott and so forth. Kevin Peterson. And, and then you look at the rugby scene. Exactly. So many guys. Uh, I mean, rugby scene, you're talking about Roger, that, Roger, how many Roger, Irish guys Roger, are playing Roger, in Ireland, Scotland, Roger, Roger and so could, forth. Could have been eligible for South Africa yeah. if you wanted to. Right. So you need to look at it. And Why see. are we letting it slip through Be- the cracks in football? Because people are sleeping. The, the guys in the football structures need to look at it and say, we need to find the best possible talent that we can that we, that, that we have available and that means go and look at everything that's happening with all those there's lots of academies in south africa i go mm. and watch those kids sometimes and you find so much but you know what players. the biggest problem is though with the academies is that they um i don't know if it's still there but i know there is a rule of some sort that you can only have an x amount of players that aren't south african no no i'm saying players who are born here right. i'm not saying I'm not no, saying... no 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 i know but what I'm saying is that we also have uh, uh, players, right, an influx of players that come from their countries and they play here and they use this as a stepping stone to go and play. It, it, here's a funny thing. Emmanuel Emenike, before he ever played, became this big He went to Ajax at some point. Cape Town. FC Cape Town. Oh, yeah, FC Cape Town. Yeah. FC Cape Town. And even went to, I think he went to ACs even in Pumalanga. And yes. None of Chiefs or Pirates even saw him. So the point I'm making is that John Obi Mikel spent a few, year, a few, a few years months, I think, here. with Ajax. With Ajax. You know, you can't see. I mean, this guy's right under their nose. So you have some of those kids. I'm not talking about kids who might immigrated. I'm saying kids who the are kids born, who are born, born here. here. The mm. kid, Asma signed a kid who recently, who with, who had Nigerian um, um, origin. Mm. He was here, playing for an academy here in South Africa. I mm. think he played for the Superfort United soccer schools. Mm. Yeah, before Asma snapped him up. He was already playing with the soccer schools here. If you have to have that structure where... You know, a classic example, Lionel Messi was signed, was signed by Barcelona when he was 13, which m- meant that somebody knew he was a good player when he was 11 or 12. You know, because whether you like it or not, yeah. you can tell a good player and then you can have a plan. Because, I mean, we saw uh, a few years ago, Bafana, not Bafana, the under-17 team went to the finals of the African Cup in, in Niger. And nobody was... I mean, they, they've done quite well. I mean, to, to his credit, Sheikh, Sheikh Mashaba um, kind of worked with a lot of those young teams and they were always doing well. I, I, I watched them um, on the 23s in Mozambique during the All-Africa Games. So you must have a plan where you identify those, those kids early and then you bring them through the, through the system. If you do that, that's the reason why England won the Under-17 and Under-20 World Cup. They had a team that, that included... One of them had seven Nigerians. They don't have nine Nigerians. Yeah. And those kids, those kids, some of them are like Ademola Lukman wants to play for Nigeria, doesn't want to play for for England. Some of those those players. So you, once you pick them that early, and they play for for South Africa, then naturally they want to play play on because. So you think it's something that you know even let's go even broader to this. Some you know Safa, for example. Yes. You think it's something that they can also put into paper and say, guys, listen, um, you know we have kids that are born here. That come from other nations. It doesn't matter. That are just as good. They are, Can we give them a look in? If they are born here, they are South Africans. Yeah. It doesn't matter where their parents come from. So once they go through your your, your youth system, you've got to grab them. Do you think the political situation has anything to do with it? I, in I terms of picking the. Team? I don't think so. I, I think you know they, they they need to move beyond that and look at what is best for the team. Mm. Because I mean, you look at with the Springboks, beasts. Yes, Zimbabwe. Yes, he could play for Zimbabwe if he wants to, but yes. it's his decision to play, play for South Africa. And he's South African by all yes. and purposes. So why can't we do the same for... I mean, the, the former captain of, of, of the uh, Springboks on the 20s, his father was Nigerian. Mm. So you got to be able to look at it and say, it doesn't matter where their, their parents come from. If they are South Africans, because they were born here, or they immigrated here and they've lived long enough to become citizens, Convert them and put them in your team. Make your team stronger. Bottom line, at the end of the day, does the kid feel more South African than Nigerian? You know, that's interesting because to me, I think it's a disservice to the country as a whole. Because you know, when you look at uh, football, and I'm going to look at the physiological standpoint. Yeah. Right. 
Southern Africans, we're smaller in nature, okay? And then we go to international tournaments, especially yeah. in Africa, we get bulldozed by, size, you know, Western is, East African size is still a, a Now, factor. we have guys of Western East African origin that are born here, born here, like Amika says. And these kids, when they go play football, right? I think, you know, to be fair, you know, let's, let's cut to the chase. I think the political situation has a lot to do with how, you know, people treat them, right? So they don't give them a fair look. Wasn't that the same problem that they had with rugby and the affirmative action and um, the quota system? Because of the perception that you have that's ingrained in you, you bypass a lot of people. So, I, I mean, I look at, like I said, with the Springboks, a, a pure Janchi, for example, probably would have been bypassed six years ago because of the perception. So it's the perception that has to change, which, change will, which will make people wake need, up. They need to change the mindset and they need to understand that at the end of the day, um, the... the the international system says, I mean, I mean, look at England, for instance. They've got players who, you know, their only link is probably their grand. Exactly. At a point, the French junior teams, go look. Yeah, I ask anyone, go to Google, go look at the French junior teams, okay? They look nothing like France whatsoever. And they're dominating these tournaments and they're winning. Recently, so, re recently, Nigeria, Nigerian women team. Got to the quarterfinals of the of the women's under um, seventeen. No, no, no. That's the senior women's yeah. basketball team got to the World Cup just last week. They got to the quarterfinals. They yes. lost to the US. The one of the best players of the US team was Nigerian. Born, born, That's been the case with them for some same, years now. Same with same with Australia. They lost to Australia. They lost only two games. They lost to uh, to, to um, Australia and to America. And the best players for those teams were Nigerians. So imagine if those two kids. Um, those two girls were yes. were part of the, the Nigerian team. They will be because the other Australian girl is like almost seven foot tall. Yes. <laughs> so that's why you know I think honestly, um, Safa need to step in here because I think it's broader than just you know local clubs or academies. I think Safa also need to. They, are, they have to have a plan. They need to have their hand. They have, have a plan and, and, they have say, to, guys, and they have to step up. There's there no and way get, we can let this call work. up these players. Give them a, give them the make it difficult for them to decide who they want to play for. And the other thing is for me, Amika, I think, you know, sport has a way of changing um, lives, has the way of changing the world. And, you know, we've had xenophobic issues in our country, right? And I think there is no great, like, like um, the 95 World Cup did for racial tension. I think, I, I mean, I'm looking at people like um, Kama Billiard, for example, yeah. right? And, um, uh, there was a guy, Knowledge Musona. I remember Knowledge Musona before he left. And there was just a lack of goals in South Africa. You are good. And Knowledge Musona was banging in goals. Nasha Mushweku banging in goals. Even uh, um, at the point, the best player for, for me at Chiefs then was Nengo Masha. Nengo Masha, exactly. Nengo Masha, there was another one. And I, I said that at some point, and I'm thinking, look, obviously you don't want to rob Zim of also their star players, right? You. You, you know, they also have a team of their own to build. But we have some players here, you know, born here. All you have to do is go to the parks on a Saturday and go look at some of these guys. And you think, you're telling me that some of these kids could not make an academy in South Africa. They could not make a PSL team. They could not play for Bafana Bafana. It's impossible. I find that impossible. And again, going back to what the Springboks did in 95, here's an opportunity for the soccer fraternity to also bridge, you know, the tension and the gaps that we have when it comes to xenophobia. Here's an opportunity for them to say, you know what, here's how we rise above it. We have so-and-so from Nigeria, Nigerian born, that plays for Bafana Bafana. Doesn't that just do well for the country, the community, business, integration? So I think Safa, you know, um, they need to be the, the chief runners at this and say, guys, look, we have so many, uh, Germany, right? For goodness sake, okay? Do I have to go through the list? Mesut Ozil, Sami Kadira, Lukas Podolski, you know, do I have to go through the list? So they are benefiting from this. And it's not like they're handing these guys uh, the positions, they are vying for it. So get these kids who are born here, but obviously are of different descent, give them a chance, let them compete. And you know what? Maybe let's say they don't make it, but you know what? You've brought the best out of the guys that are local because they had to compete. That's all it is. Just give them a chance. And I'm going to end it at that. Amika? Well, look, listen, uh, I think that it, it's, a, it's a good uh, opportunity. And maybe that could be 
one way of creating better bond between um, South Africa and the rest of the, the continent. But um, more than anything else, I think all, all we are looking for is a way to make uh, Bafana Bafana, you know, strong again. That's what we're looking for. You know, we're just looking for a stronger Bafana. If it means that you've got four, five, six guys that were born, that were, you know, or, originate from another country, hey, go ask France if they care. They've got the trophy in their cabinet. They really don't mind. So on that note, Pitch Invaded on Twitter and Pitch Invasion uh, on Facebook. I, I hope you are also on, on, on Twitter now. Amika's been trying to get me to Twitter. Uh, I'm going to get the guys. Listen, I'm, my, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm, you can follow me at, at Emeka Enyadike one word and i'm going to try and get him onto twitter we can't he cannot run away so whenever we disagree with, that here first. You, you disagree with Amika's him Amika's gonna you, try you know, get me onto you twitter know where to find okay. him in fact I'll, I'll create his twitter account <laughs> <laughs> what i'm not gonna be surprised if he's gonna have a you'll never work alone like slogan somewhere <laughs> if he creates that and on that note we're gonna leave the ninth episode of pitch invasion here um it's been another interesting um uh, week of stories of football and results and um we're going to get into the international break where we're going to come back and discuss uh, some hopefully bafana would have uh, walked away with three points and uh some european matches also that are going to take place with the uefa nations league uh, also happening but uh from me Kola Makwaza, and from mecca you know we don't work alone uh we always never pay attention to that arsenal are coming up guys please uh, stay tuned we are going to do serious things this season take care